Interesting. Again, thank you, Kristen. Uh, such a blessing to have Kristen here. You know, it's, it's very sad that she was forced to leave Korea, but I think Melbourne, like, we've been very blessed by the presence of this community. So, um, you know, Korea's loss is our thing. Yay. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's uh, go to the sermon, the word for today. So it's from Romans chapter 12. Uh, so for a few people, this is the first three verses in particular, something that, the first two verses, sorry, something that you've probably heard many times. Uh, so let's read through the first two verses again. That will be our focus for today. And then we can... Right, so if you're all ready, uh, let's read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 together. Okay, 1, 2, 3. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable. Okay, so this is part four and the final part of our uh, series this month of going through the book of Romans, uh, really looking into what it means to walk with Jesus. First, uh, I talked about being far-sighted. So remembering what the end goal is. That's why we need to read the Bible, pray, practice our intimacy with God. Because it helps us be reminded of what the end picture is. Because it's very easy to lose sight of that. and get lost in the ups and downs of today. Second, talked about choosing a life without sin. If we're free, if Jesus sets us free, does that mean we can do whatever we want? Paul says in this book, by no means. He says, because of righteousness, which is relationship, choose to follow what God says in his Bible. It's like knowing what your boyfriend or girlfriend likes. This is why we should follow what's in the Bible. Not because of the rules in order to be accepted by God, but it's because we've already been accepted by God. He is our, the most closest person in our life, who knows us so well. And he's the one who gave up everything for us. So don't you want to respond out of love by doing the things that he loves, that he cares about? Third, last week was to share the love. We've received a lot of love, but what are we going to do with it? If we don't do it, if we don't do anything with it, then we just kind of hit this flat point. We start to stagnate. It's like the Dead Sea. If things only come into the sea, nothing goes out. Then the water becomes stale, stagnant. It doesn't support life. That's the same for our faith. As we share the love, it brings this joy, this excitement, adventure into our faith journey. So always have some sort of 
evangelistic, wanting to share that love with colleagues, work people, family, friends. It doesn't mean you have to be on the street corner with a loudspeaker. But whatever you do, try to have some sort of evangelistic sharing the gospel edge to things that you have some intentionality. And lastly, this week, fourth, uh, I want to call it be out of this world. Be out of this world. Be different to this world. Be like next level. Uh, Take the high road. Do not, and we'll see that in our verse, do not be conformed to this world. So I'm going to call it be out of this world. As I've been um, thinking and writing and preparing about these messages, what I realize is that walking with Jesus is a journey, a process that has different stages. It's not just I become Christian and then it's just the same until I die. But like uh, we have our, our New Philly Melbourne mascot, Chloe Park in the back, just like she grows up, matures and changes. It's the same with us and God. You first become a Christian, you're like baby Christian. I don't know anything, I need people to tell me what's good, what's not good. You know, God, I think God wants to provide for us and care for us. Just like Chloe. I remember when I first met her, she was very like, she was like talking and things, but couldn't really feed herself, like, there wasn't a lot of things that she could do by herself. Her parents had to care for her and look after almost everything, And when we're a baby Christian, I think sometimes it's the same. We're very needy. We need a lot of care. But do we want to stay there? Do you want to see a 50-year-old, like, 50-year-old Christian acting like a baby? Is that very... Attractive? Is that very good to see? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Especially if you're there small group. <laughs> Please. And I think that's what I want to talk about today. Is I think the first few points that we share, it's, it's about kind of learning how to grow, get closer to God, and then learning how to you know, sharing the gospel, it's like um, keeping your faith moving forward. But I feel like today, what we're going to talk about is that last aspect of maturity. What it means to really become mature, grown up, adult Christian. Not in terms of age, but in terms of your intimacy, relationship with God. And I think with Chloe, what I'm seeing in Chloe's development, she's becoming more and more independent. So not that she doesn't associate with her parents, but that she can take care of little things on her own now. She's not as passive. Just do everything for me. But actually, in some ways, she's a lot more like, I want to do this, I'm going to do that, like bossing around her mom. Like, she's more active. She's a more active participant in her life. Uh, one way I heard it described is that when we become Christian, we're first uh, 
we first learn what it means to be son of God, a child, son of God. And then the next step is learning what it means to be servant of God, learning how to follow him and do what he likes, obey him. The last step is learning how to be friend, friend of God, someone who you walk together with. As, not as, well, we're not equal with God, but in the sense of we have a more mature, a more reciprocal relationship. It's not just us and God. But now I know what God likes. I can do things that bless Him. I can live my life in a way that pleases Him. But it's my choice. I get to choose what to give up to God. And so that's what I think we can understand as verse 1 to 4. Paul says, verse 1, Present your bodies. So give up your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I think for me what I'm realizing is that it's not about learning or trying to find out, God, I have these two choices here. What is the right one? But sometimes what it means to be a friend of God is to say, I have A and B. They're both good. It's not like one is becoming a drug dealer or anything like that. Like, say I've got two job options. They're both good. What it means to be at this mature Christianity this friend of God stage, is that it's your choice. God, this is what I really love doing, and this is what I want to offer to you as my sacrifice. Take it. Let it, let, let it bless you. Use it to bless other people. It's my active choice what to give to God. It's not just me waiting. God, tell me what to do. I'm like a baby, like a child. When, a, when you're a child, sometimes you need God to tell you, this is good, this is not good. But when you are mature, when you know God, when you know His heart, kind of like that Christian, Christian show, she came, she came to really understand God's heart more and more through this process. Then it becomes about what you want to offer to God. Your choice, your responsibility, your participation. Alright, so I want to just take a step back and look at this in the context of Romans. Right? So I'm not just picking out words that sound good. But why? Why was this important to the Roman Christians? Why did Paul write this letter to the Roman Christians? And he, he says, uh, he talks about power. The gospel is the power of God salvation to everyone who believes. Power. And he's talking about in verse 8. You are more than conquerors. But why, why is he talking, using this language? Well, let's, let's go to chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verses 31 to 36. I'm just going to read it. You can follow along. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 36. 
what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring him any charge? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It was not easy times for Christians in Rome. If you were a Jewish Christian, then the other Jews hated you. If you were a non-Jewish, Greek, or Gentile Christian, then the Jewish Christians didn't like you. If you were a Christian, then the government didn't like you. And there were disease, there was famine, there was just the dangers of the old world that you had to go through. It may not be the same for us, like we're not going through as difficult times, but I don't think that discounts the things that we go through as Christians. It's not easy. There are things you can, you have to do, or things you can't do as a Christian. There are different anxieties, pressure, stress, family loss, things like that. Uh, it's not about being Christian or not, but just life. Very difficult things that just happen. And sometimes, maybe we feel this Christianity, this gospel, Paul talks about it being the power of God. But for me, it's kind of whatever. It doesn't have any power. There's no impact. I'm not changing. Like, Melbourne's not changing. It's getting worse. None of my friends that I want to come to church, coming to church, like, sometimes, whether it's a personal personal change, like, why am I stuck in this cycle again of just laziness or sin or, you know, I don't have a job or being lost. Or it could be maybe something to do with church. Church is struggling. Church, I don't like going to church. Church is boring. It's not relevant. Or maybe it's what's going on in the world. God, if you're really powerful, if you're really there, why are you letting these bad things happen to my family, people out there? These questions can come up. And I think that's what Paul is trying to speak into. Christians who are asking these questions about the power of the gospel. Just a very small example for me of persecution I suffered recently. Uh, okay, please don't walk out after you hear this. So I went to street ministry on Monday. I would have said I was playing the guitar, but I forgot to bring my guitar. I prepared everything, I prepared all the songs, practiced in the morning, and then I got into the car without taking the guitar. I actually got my teeth checked by Dutch. And to street ministry. Maybe I was just so worried about the dentist. I don't know. Let's take my guitar. Um, 
And so we ended up just singing a cappella, no music. <laughs> and I was, I was doing the whole, like, I was doing the whole <laughs> for the beat, for the rhythm. <laughs> I was like, I was leading. So it was like all these people who have actually seen and <laughs> and so we're singing a cappella on the street and this guy walks past and he's like if you want to help people pay your taxes yes I, I, like, I pay my taxes I mean I got them all back the tax refund this year but I pay my taxes um, that was my persecution but, you know, sometimes we think, we think the answer is like taxes or the government changing. Or sometimes we think that this is what is needed for change in the world. Something to do with governments or we need some sort of power to change the world, change our lives. Even. Maybe we look for self-help books or motivational speakers. Some, some external power to change our lives. Well, there is a power, right? And this is what Paul talks about as we continue to read chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. <coughs> there is a power that can bring that change that we see. Paul says in verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Well, I'm going to come back to this idea of what it means to be more than conquerors. But here, Paul is saying that it is the love of God, the love of Christ, through which we can overcome all things. Right? And I want to really break, just look at that. What does that mean? We, can, we, we hear it a lot. God's love is stronger. Christ's love overcomes. But what does that mean? So I just want to look at two things that may help us understand what it means. To walk with Jesus... It should be a life that is filled with the power of God, the power of the gospel. But it doesn't just happen. You have to learn how to walk with Jesus, how to live, how to kind of release the power of the gospel into your life. You can't just expect this to happen. That's what it means to kind of be mature. We have a part to play in embracing the power of the So another way to look at the past four messages for me was things that we can do. Okay. They all start with a P. It was really hard to think of the fourth one, but if we if we think about the first sermon, uh, be far-sighted. It's about perspective. If you live with perspective, number one, the first one, it helps you to overcome, to get over a lot of the things that happen day to day. It helps you to rise above that 
and move forward beyond those things. You don't get stuck at the first bad thing that happens. Secondly, purity. Choosing to keep yourself pure out of love for God. Right? He can give you that It doesn't give you, it's not like a force field. But when you keep yourself pure, you have much more clarity right, in your heart, in your mind. Right? You're not putting as much like junk food into your soul. And so it's much more easier to walk clearly forward with God. Much more easier to have clarity when things get crazy. To keep focused on the Lord. So purity, number two. Number three, passion. So sharing the love, having that passion for other people to meet Christ, to meet Jesus like you do, will keep you moving forward in your faith journey when things start to get stale and boring. What's the point? If you're only receiving love coming in and you're not giving love out, it becomes very dry and stale, dead sea. Like there's no life there. So perspective, purity, passion. And the last one I'm going to call it poise. I couldn't think of anything else to say with the But poise. Poise. It'll make more sense as we look at uh, break it down. Right, so, so, how do we live as more than conquerors? How do we embrace the power of the gospel? How do we live with poise? In our, in our verses today, Paul says, one, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Be different. Be out of this world. How? Right, if you look at the second half of the verse, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. How? By being transformed in the renewal of your mind. What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, I don't know if you've come across this, but uh, I believe scientific research talks about something called a neural pathway. Have you heard about that? Neural pathway. So your brain, it develops um, kind of a, it's not a habit, but it develops a a type of response to certain stresses or stimuli. If you keep doing it again and again, it becomes more automatic. It becomes more kind of habitual. Like you do it without really intending. So for example, um, for example, I get really stressed, and then I decide to eat a lot of food. Right? Your trigger, and then your response. If you keep doing it, it becomes more and more it's like, a, it's like walking a path. You keep walking the same path, and then it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Right? And I believe uh, same research, or is a different research about the same thing. They suggest that meditation can help to lessen or even change. Change the way you respond to different things. So not to make this all like scientific and stuff, but think about it. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
if you, uh, let's say at work, when your boss calls you into the office, you immediately start anxiety, stress. What's going to happen? Fear. The trigger has led you to respond in a certain way, even without really thinking about what he's trying to talk to you. Maybe he's trying to say good work, or I want you to, I want you to have a raise. But because of this neural pathway, you automatically associate the boss with something scary. And I think this is the same. When something bad happens, do we turn to God? Do we seek the word of God? Do we pray in order to deal with the stress? A lot of us, no. When something bad happens, when we get into a funk, when we're stressed out, we turn to Netflix, or we turn to YouTube, or Domino's Pizza, or different ways of dealing with our stress. Is that it? Domino's? <laughs> but here what Paul is saying is that change comes by the renewal of your mind. How do you renew our mind? By resetting the neural pathways in your brain. By meditating on a different truth. By and then living it out. Right? So you you can meditate, read the Bible, pray to renew your mind, but then your actions reinforces that. Right? The neural pathways are strengthened by your actions, by repetition. And so it's not only about clearing your mind, but it's about setting new pathways, new responses, establishing a new truth, a new uh, reaction. In your mind. And I think if we go to verse 1, this is what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's to choose, even when things are bad, even when things are stressful, or maybe the opposite is true. When things are really good, we forget about that. We just focus on the self. Either way, it's to have a new way of living. It's, I'm going to offer it up to you, God. This decision is really stressing me out, but living sacrifice, I'm going to offer it up to you, God. It's, go, it's always going to end up, or I'm going to always end in a place of worship, of sacrifice. So in the end, the key, the key to this final stage of Maturity of walking with Jesus. The key to being out of this world, to being different, to not conforming, is worship. It's offering it up to God. But the way you do that is not easy, it doesn't happen. And so there are two things that I want to finish with that we find in chapter 12. Two things that we can do to help renew our mind to set our hearts into the mode of worship that will take us to that next level of maturity in our walk with Christ. Right, the first 
you look at verses 3 to 8, in my Bible it's called the gifts of grace. But the first key is to exercise your gifts. Exercise your gifts. So we, we read the Word of God, we pray, we come together as a, as a church and worship Him. These things are good in, uh, I guess, clearing, clearing your mind, clearing your heart, re-establishing your focus, your perspective, but I know this is right. But the only way to really renew your mind, be transformed, is by actually walking it out. If you don't walk it out, it's not going to become set. It's not a permanent transformation. You'll just, next, next time something bad comes along, you'll just, what do you call it? Regress, regress to, to your old habits. And for me, that's happened like so many times, it's not fun. So the, really the key is action. And these are two actions I want to suggest. We need to really be intentional about in your spiritual work. First is exercise your gifts. Right, so here Paul says, <clears throat> he encourages people to exercise the gifts that you've been given. To build up the church, one. And two, like to bless the people who don't know Jesus yet. Right? Why? Why is it important to, to do this? How does this help? Well, first, Paul says uh, in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I think like Christian, Christian shared, when you exercise your gifts, when you serve the body of Christ, when you serve uh, people that you care about, when you bless non-Christians, it takes the focus off you and puts it on God, on others. It's an act of worship to acknowledge that the gift things that I have, whether it's music or you know, leadership or the tech or whatever it is, it's not just for me. And I didn't make it myself, but it was a gift from my creator. It was a gift given to me for a greater purpose, a purpose to bless others. So first of all, exercising your gifts acts as a reminder, as worship putting the focus on God. And then I think the other aspect of that is that it also counteracts a consumer, consumeristic Christianity, a selfish Christian, where you just come, you get your service, you get your word, and then you go home without contributing to the wider body. If everyone did that, then how would we have a service? And I think that this is one of the keys to maturity, your mature, uh, maturation, your growth as a, as a Christian. Exercising your gifts 
to build up the body of Christ and then to bless others who need to know Christ. Second and last point. It is to take the high road. Okay, so if you look at the second or the, the last part of this chapter from verses 9 to 21, you know, it talks about, Paul just outlines what it means to look like a Christian. Uh, so there are very, you know, very, I guess, normal things there. If we read through from verse 9, uh, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another. Show honor to one another. Um, serve God. Be fervent in spirit. Rejoice. Uh, be patient in tribulation. Pray a lot. You know, help the poor. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Show hospitality. Now those kind of all make sense. Yes. Good person. Good Christian. Do those things. What I want to focus on is this last part. Verses 14 to 21. And it's something we've talked about before. But... I think for me, this is like that last step to really living in a way that releases the power of the gospel in your life. So let's read through verses 14 to 21. Uh, let's read it together. Let's read it together. This will be our last point for today. So verses 14 to 21. Okay, one, two, three. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the Lord. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, so doing, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with evil. As you read through this, do you realize that this is not very easy to do? Have you ever had situations like this? Like even just, let's just look at verse 14 to 15. Paul says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Alright. So someone who persecutes you, who hurts you, who attacks you, who uh, brings you down, like does something to take away from you. He's not just saying, don't curse him. Like he, he mentions that. They're two different things. So, okay, I'm not going to curse him. But Paul says, bless. You realize how hard that is to do? Like, Buy him a box of chocolates. Buy her something for a birthday. Someone who has hurt you, who has taken something from you, offended you. 
I think we think that what it means to be Christian is to not curse them. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That's not what Jesus taught. If we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, which we talked about here in church, bless those who persecute you. To be a Christian is to take the high road. It is to have poise. Not to be just led by your emotions of hurt and anger, but to have a different spirit. To have poise in the midst of such hurt or offense. And to take the high road. To do something that is not normal in this world. To be out of this world. So I... So I think just the last thing we're going to talk about, this is what really sets mature Christians apart, is the ability to have poise when every fiber of your body wants to just like hurt that person, get revenge. And I think 15 is, 15 it doesn't get easier. Right? Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who Oh, well, what's, what's so bad about that? Yes, we celebrate with those who have good things, and we mourn with those who have... But we're not talking about Maury here. We're not talking about Ronald. We're talking about that person who hurt me, and then something good happens to them. What do you want to do? You want to say, oh, good for you, man. Let's, let's go have it. No. You, you are thinking, like, how come that guy gets the blessings? I've been in that place. Again, it's after I got rejected, right? It's been a while since I brought that up. But. So I, I asked the girl out, she rejected me. And then I remember my feelings towards things that would happen. It was the opposite. I would weep when she was rejoicing, and then I would rejoice when she was weeping. I think that's the natural way for us to respond. That's what we naturally want to do. Because that person hurt me. I don't want them to have anything good happen to them. Right? And you know, we can think, okay, what it means to be Christian is just to block them. I don't want to think about them. Just be apathetic. But is that what Paul says here? Does he say, do not weep? They are rejoicing. He says, rejoice. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with that person when good things happen to them. And feel sorry for them when bad things happen to them. This is actually this is crazy. This is not normal. This is out of this world. And then the other verse I wanted to look at was verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Can you trust God to take care of things? When someone has stolen money from you, when someone has stolen a boyfriend or girlfriend from you, when that person at work spread lies about you, can you leave that? take care of. 
Or are you going to take revenge into your own hands? Very clearly, what it means to be a Christian is to allow God to take care of it. I'm not talking about like crime. Criminal things, report it to the police, allow law to take, take its place. But when it's like a personal hurt, it's not criminal, but it's hurt you, are you able to bless that person, to be happy for them, to be sad for them, and to allow God to take revenge for you? If not, I want to suggest that you read a book. It's called The Bait of Satan. It's like it's been around for like 20 plus years, 30 plus years. But it is it talks about this specifically. And it's very it's very powerful. Very powerful. The Bait of Satan by John Goodyear. Just to quickly summarize it in a couple of sentences. Offense, being hurt. Satan uses that to stop us from walking with Jesus. To stop Christians from really kind of embracing the power of the gospel. Right? Because what it essentially means is when we're hurt, I'm not going to show you grace or love. We're blocking the flow of God's grace and love to other people. Right? So if you do that, how can you really walk in the power of the gospel? You're not showing grace and love to other people. When you're going against the commands of Jesus. And he says, often we hide our defense of her without pride. It's covered by pride. We either say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. Okay. Bless them. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. I don't need to. I'm not hurt. Or, pride causes to see yourself as a victim. They hurt me. Why should I bless them? I'm the one that's the victim. I'm the victim, so it's okay if I get my revenge. It's okay if I withhold blessings and love. Satan is deliberately using offense to keep you trapped in that hurt. You are not free. So this is Bait of Satan by John Bevere. Uh, if this is something that's very difficult for you to do, I really strongly advise you to read that book. I think some people have copies of around here as well. So that's, these are two things. just want to leave you with these two things. <laughs> Exercising your gifts to build up the body of Christ, to build up the church, to bless other people. And two, to take the high road, to bless those who persecute you, to rejoice with them, to weep with them, Leave revenge in the hands of God and not take matters into your own hands. To have that kind of poise when it's really hard to. That's what it means to be more than a conqueror. That's what the love of God can enable you to do. It's not just about, you know, if someone persecutes you, what it means to have power, the power of the gospel, is not to like get them back. Like, God, get them! 
Like, that's not the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is to rise above that. And what does Paul say? Verse 20, 21. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. With good. So actually, if you actually really want to get that other person back, do it by loving them. Because it will reflect on what they have done to you. It's like pouring burning coals on their head. If God is going to really touch their hearts, they will realize, oh wow, I really messed up. I'm so sorry. Either that, or uh, if you read the book, sometimes you know, God can make things happen where that other person ends up getting what they deserve. But he does it in a way that even like, kind of blesses you, it advantages you. It turns out that he literally can turn all things like, to our good if we just put matters into his own hands, into his hands. So, yeah, so that final step of Christian faith, of walking with Jesus, it's not just about not doing bad things, but it's about taking that next step, going the extra mile to bless, to do something that is so counterintuitive, that is so out of this world, so alien. And it's when you're able to do that, that's, that's when you're truly free. The, the actions of other people don't find you, don't keep you trapped your own bitterness and misery or, or just feeling sorry for yourself. When you are able to actively bless, that's when you're really breaking off those chains. And you're li- really living a life that's free and that that's what releases the power of the gospel to just fill your life, to change the things that you are seeking transformation and changing. That's when you experience true transformation renewing of the mind, but by actually walking it out, that's when we see true transformation. Okay. Now let me just close us in prayer. Father, we just thank you, God, for your love, your love that is so powerful, so strong, that can bring transformation, change, into our lives and in this world. Uh, But Father, it can only happen when your followers, your people are willing to really lay everything down. Just to to follow your commands, to follow your word, to really live in a way that does not conform to this world. But it's just a radical radical love that just doesn't make sense. So Father, I just pray that the things that we have read in your word today to bless those who persecute you, to rejoice with them, to weep with them, to feed them when they're hungry, give them water, drink when they're thirsty. Father, would you just continue to challenge our hearts to live in that way, 
even if it's the smallest thing, like someone who cuts you off on the road, bless, help us to like just shout, bless you, instead of the other one. And, and just step by step, help us to mature in our poise, to really be people who live filled with your power, that just radiate the power of your gospel to everyone I just pray that this community will be yeah, just filled with yeah, mature believers, God. We really not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. That we would just grow day by day closer with you, to know your heart, to be called as friends of Jesus, not just you know, baby Christians, but friends of Jesus. So Father, we just thank you. Pray all this. Jesus' name, amen.